0: Now, get growing with Farmer Fred. Talk650 and KSTE.com. Here is Fred Hoffman.
1: Well, hi.
2: Welcome to Get Growing on Talk650 KSTE. Farmer Fred here. Fred Hoffman, UC Cooperative Extension, Lifetime Master Gardener, Garden Columnist with the Lodi News Sentinel, the guy that does all the typing at FarmerFred.com. All the ranting at the Farmer Fred rant blog page at Twitter.com slash Farmer Fred Daily Garden Tips. Lots of snark, retreats. What else? Oh, the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page where there was always a garden dialogue going on where you're going to find this morning a picture of a carton of eggs. Why do you have, Fred, a picture of a carton of eggs posted at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page? Are you hungry? Is that why? No, it's because we're talking chickens this morning with urban chicken consultant Cherie Sintus Glover, who has a wonderful website called chickensforeggs.com. Yes, she is an urban chicken consultant, but she's also, at fair time, a poultry health inspector. Mm-hmm. And ch- you're checking out chickens. Yes. For for diseases and what else?
3: Well, just for signs that they're not feeling so great. You know, um, when chickens are, are at the fair or in a show or expeditions of any kind, you know, you're getting the general public kind of coming in and visiting maybe for the first time. And people often have lots of questions. They're wondering you know, if they see a chicken that doesn't look so well, then they're concerned, you know, rightfully so. So um, poultry health inspectors actually help um, kind of filter out anything that might show up that maybe isn't, um, might be a warning sign or might be, you know, something that's, uh, especially with our youth and our 4 at the fair, they may, might need to be educated about. And it could be, you know, something as simple as, um, you know, how do you keep a bird clean, you know, People actually give their chickens baths before they get exhibited. So, they imagine do. that. Yes, washing washing a chicken isn't that amazing. <laughs> it's, it's the funniest thing. You don't want to use water that's that's too warm, or you'll have a featherless bird. Really? Yes. They'll wow. drop their feathers, so you got to be careful.
2: Okay, now you since you brought it up, <laughs> how do you wash a chicken?
3: Um, you wash it with uh, some lukewarm warm water, not hot. Um, and you usually use, uh, a lot of a lot of the kids actually use uh, like a dish soap um, or they can use um, shampoos that you use for your dog or cat or that kind of thing. So anything that's, you know, kind of pet approved, you can pretty much use on a on Even a
2: if that pet shampoo has some sort of flea or tick control in well,
3: it? Well, I'll actually use, and I know it's off-label use, but I'll actually use like a cat flea shampoo or a dog flea shampoo if if I have a chicken that might have mites or lice or some kind of external parasite. Because it does, it works the same way. Um, but you do you lather them up. You have I usually have a tooth, an old toothbrush, just so I can clean out the nails and the you know on their feet, um, clean their feet really well. And um, you kind of lather them up a bit, and you rinse them off um, in the rinse water. I put a little tiny bit of vinegar to help cut the soap. And you usually do that about seven days before a show, uh, because chickens um, do have oils that they excrete to help make their feathers look gorgeous. And so you want to make sure they have enough time before the show to to have that happen, and then they look all pretty, and you get to the show, and you make sure they're clean again because you don't want a judge to pick up a dirty chicken. And uh, and it's um, it's amazing. When you go to a poultry show for the first time, and for all of you that are getting ready maybe because you said the state fair is coming state up.
2: state fair starts the end of the month, yeah. You're
3: going to see some gorgeous birds because some of the best breeders in the state actually um, – do show at the at the state fair so. you
2: know i'm thinking now that i realize realized i think actually the state fair begins next week oh okay. yeah need to look at the date y- yeah it goes I, I think like next weekend through the end of july all right now oh, but i didn't hear how you dry a chicken
3: oh so um usually i'll use you know everybody has those old towels they have you know for washing the car and that kind of thing so we have some for chickens and you basically roll them up like a I have a friend who calls it a chicken burrito. <laughs> you roll your chicken up in the towel. You kind of try <laughs> to, you know, squeeze out a little bit of the water. And then we use a hairdryer. And, and you just have to keep it moving, keep it on low. Um, if it's in the summertime, it's great because you can put them outside in half shade, half sun, and give them some water, and they can dry naturally, you know. Um, but
2: That would uh, make more sense, I think, instead yeah. of struggling with a chicken with a hairdryer.
3: They are actually very calm because once they get kind of waterlogged, they don't really move as much. <laughs>
2: okay that's good to know
3: then the the hair dryer works pretty well and you actually will have some chickens that are very fond of being groomed and Mm -hmm. and you know they get used (laughs) to it it's it's really it's very humorous
2: well if there's an urban chicken consultant in the world then there must be an urban chicken groomer somewhere
3: (laughs) there probably is
2: yeah (laughs) okay so how do you yeah you mentioned when you dry the chicken don't you use the low setting and i imagine for the same reason that you wouldn't use hot water on a chicken would the feathers disappear
3: well i don't know it, i've never had well possibly i think it's more about just being careful you don't burn the, the skin of the chicken or burn the chicken yeah. cuz you know hot uh, hair dryers are pretty hot so you keep it moving and um you at least want to get the down of their feathers kind of those feathers closer to their skin dryish you know and um and then then the rest kind of happens naturally so the air dries them off and then they're ready to go and um, they look beautiful a week later, and yep. you're ready to take them to the show.
2: Okay, there's no wax involved.
3: No, but there are. It's funny because <laughs> when you <laughs> don't tell me. It's <laughs> funny you mention that, Brad, because <laughs> when you show up at a show, you will see these these people that are very very serious about their chickens, and right. they have grooming products, and they have sprays, and they have sheen that they use, and special gloves, and they make they they. They uh, put special conditioners on the comb and the wattles, and um, they're making sure that their chickens uh, uh, are very poised and that they pose correctly in the cage and that they are engaging, and it's a big it's a big thing.
2: So this would be available in the livestock beauty aisle at, uh, <laughs> at the Tractor Supply Company?
3: Well, they use a lot of uh, horse products.
2: <laughs> okay. Oh, do they? Okay, yes. there we go. All right. There's plenty of those. Yes, yes. All right. Well, that's good to know. You can certainly ask us garden questions, but chicken questions are, are most welcome as well. And the numbers to call here, 576-1578 in the 916 or toll free 866-331-8255. Email, send it to fred at com or post your question at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. And Rachel has posted a question and she would like to know, Cherie, mm-hmm. I want to know how to keep the smell of a chicken coop to a minimal our neighbors, unfortunately, put theirs right up next to our fence. Oh. Any ideas?
3: Well, hmm. The, you mean is this, I wonder if she was talking about maybe keeping the the smell down in her own yard? It must, sounds like it might be carrying over. A little or she's
2: bit. downwind. Or she's
3: downwind.
2: <laughs> um, so, is there a what, what is proper chicken sanitation?
3: Proper chicken sanitation is um, changing the litter on a on a fairly regular basis, um, but it really depends on the size of your coop. Um, and how many chickens you have and even what size. You know, you have large fowl and you have bantam. So bantams are like miniature sized chickens or the small ones and large fowl are the big regular standard size. Mm -hmm. So obviously the, you know, it's kind of like dogs, smaller dogs. Smaller, yeah,
2: smaller pieces, pieces. to clean up. Yeah.
3: <laughs> larger chickens, larger feces. So, right. um, you might.
2: So it's a know. matter of basically scraping up all the chicken litter, disposing of it, and putting down fresh chicken litter. Yeah. What and, is chicken litter, by the um,
3: way? A lot of people use uh, pine shavings. Okay. So that tends to be, and they use the sometimes what they call the deep litter method. So where they'll start out with a small amount of shavings and then keep adding to it, um, but at some point you've got to scrape it all up, yeah. you know, and and you know, get rid of it.
2: Do um, you have to get rid of it or can you compost it?
3: Well, it has a lot of nitrogen, right, because yeah. of the chicken
2: poop. Right. So
3: as long as that breaks down in the, in the compost uh, process.
2: Next time Steve Zion process. is on, I'll ask him about that. If you uh, can compost chicken shavings
3: yes because the pine shavings would break down I yeah
2: think, well time. i'm sure the the chicken poop would too yeah so that, yeah, yeah that's interesting but as far and it, i guess it would have to be a warm compost pile in order to kill any pathogens that would be important yeah, yeah. that be yeah. what are some of the diseases chickens can get
3: um one of the most common ones especially this time of year is coccidiosis which actually is a protozoa and it's um it's all of our chickens have various gut microbes Existing naturally, um, but with coccidiosis, they kind of go on overload, and um, it can cause chickens to um, to not lay as productively as maybe they they could have. It it, it damages their um, their um, their digestion and their um, oh my goodness, their their basically their tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those things that can kill chickens very very quickly. So. You've got to kind of keep an eye out, and it, it typically happens when either new chickens have, you know, young, with younger chickens, um, if they've been introduced uh, to maybe new chickens, because they're exposed to those other protozoa, those other things that are in the environment. Um, it, the weather can have a big deal on coccidiosis. If the temperatures are warmer, there's drastic temperature change that changes that can cause coccidiosis to happen more frequently. Um, and it's one of those things that you, a lot of times you can get your, if you order baby chicks, you can get them um, with a vaccination to help prevent it. Um, or if you've gotten chicks and they haven't been vaccinated, you can use a medicated chick feed to help um, prevent it as well. So coccidiosis is a big one. Um, chickens um, can also get respiratory diseases, so a bronchol kind of things, especially in the winter time. Um, so those are the ones that you really want to watch out for. There's a lot a lot of other ones but they're not as uh, frequent or severe. So
2: All right. When we come back well, we'll delve into people calling with questions. Calling with chicken questions. Who knew? Who knew who if you would have said to me five or six years ago. Fred, you know, one of these days you're going to be talking about how to wash a chicken on the air. Uh, Really? Well, we just (laughs) did. So there. We have more chicken talk and garden talk, too. Well, answer your garden questions, too. Uh, It'll be a chicken garden grappler at 11 o'clock. Clue available at FarmerFred.com as well as with Get Growing uh, with Farmer Fred Facebook page as we continue with Get Growing on the 2nd of July here on Talk 650, KSTE, and (music) KSTE.com.
0: You are listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Chickens, eggs,
2: gardening. We do it all here on Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Talking chickens with urban chicken consultant Cherie Sintis glover She runs the website chickensforeggs.com. Urban chicken consultant. But we do answer gardening questions here. Even Jerry in Auburn doesn't have a chicken question, but he, he wants to know what's wrong with his ch- crepe myrtle trees, I guess.
4: Hi. <laughs> Good morning, Fred. I, I think if I had some chickens, it wouldn't help my crepe myrtles. Uh,
2: well, only for fertilizer purposes. That would be it. So what's these up? Things,
4: these things uh, were blooming when we planted them last spring, and this spring we're not having any buds, and they're not flowering at all yet. And we were looking at them last night, and underneath the leaves are these really tiny, tiny, white, oblong-type bugs.
2: <laughs> All right, so there there are bugs. Sounds like aphids.
4: Would aphids be white?
2: Oh, they could be any number of colors. Uh, oh, okay. Um and the easiest thing to do would be to take a, a hose with a good uh,
4: a garden hose and blast them like
5: you say with roses.
2: Exactly, yeah. And um make uh, it would work better with a a good powerful nozzle on the end. not too powerful, but powerful enough to um uh, you know wash them off. And and okay. and and with a jet attachment on the end, you can get a little bit higher in the tree. It really depends on how far up and how tall the tree is.
4: It's only about five feet. They're they're not that tall. They're pretty
0: pretty young.
2: Yeah. No. There is even even a specific aphid called the crepe myrtle aphid. So okay. again, the the one of the best controls for aphids is simply a blast of water. And but hey, that, that that wouldn't necessarily affect the blossoming of the tree, though. Yeah. It, OK, the, See, that's that's the issue here. And how old is this tree?
0: A year old. About a year old.
2: Somebody's helping you. Good. <laughs> oh, if it's only a year old, give it time, because a, a lot of in a lot of crepe myrtles, uh, they take a year or so, maybe two years before they really put out a full bloom. So don't worry too much about that. It, it will bloom. Just give it more time.
5: All right, sir. Thank you.
2: All right. Good luck. All right. The, just aphids. All right. That's important. All right. Cherise glover is here. We're talking um, chickens. And before we get to the next call, I want to cover some chicken basics. Okay. How? Okay. I go into Tractor Supply. I see all those cute little chicks there in that uh, big watering trough that they mm-hmm. have with the yellow light in there or whatever. And they're also cute. I don't want a rooster. <laughs> uh, how, how do you how do you know that the, that little chick isn't going to be a male?
3: Yeah, you know, you, sometimes you can buy chicks that are um, sexed. You know, they are. They will, you'll see the sign that says they're, they're pullets. Mm-hmm. But I've still heard of sometimes a accidental, you know, male chick will get in there somehow, and you'll end up with one. Um, I know if if people order chicks from a hatchery that's online, the hatchery will typically throw in a couple of extra chicks just to in case you know. I guess just for fun <laughs> and in case you have some that, you know, die. But um but many of those end up being uh roosters or males. So That's
2: why they're free.
3: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So um so you show up at tractor supply or a feed store and you see these gorgeous little baby chicks and you hear them and you kinda of wander over and you look at them and you start thinking, Okay, well what do I need? You know, what do I need to do? That's the time to not buy chicks. That that's the time to actually Go home or come to one of my classes or, or get more information, okay? Because you want to have that brooder set up for your chicks before you buy the chicks. What
2: is a brooder?
3: A brooder is a chick nursery for baby chickens. And it can be as simple as buying one of those uh, plastic tubs at, you know, the department box stores. Um, you can set that up. You get a little feeder, a little waterer. Uh, for a feeder, I actually just use a mayonnaise jar lid because that's what's easy when okay. the chicks are super little. Um, you're going to want to set up the brooder with a layer of, I use paper towels, because you don't want anything slick like newspaper or even just the bottom of the bin. It'll cause um, a leg issue with, with chicks and oh, with really? chickens. So yeah. they
2: need uh, something with traction, I something guess. Something
3: with traction, yeah. but that they're not going to kind of munch on. And a lot of times the... Uh, the the pine shavings if you try to put some of those in they'll eat that instead of the chick feed and that's not so good So, so
2: again the best uh, surface for them is
3: Really paper towels paper towels. It's pretty easy, and it's not that you know how many expensive. layers thick I usually start out with maybe one or two layers and then I'll do one more layer a couple of days later and then roll the whole thing up and take it out and replace it so Easy cleanup. Easy, easy, easy. Um, Waterer-wise, they do sell uh, cool kind of waters with the little uh, bottom tray part that's made just for chicks. You have to be careful because chicks can drown. Um, So a lot of times if you have just a big one, people will put in some clean pebbles or clean marbles um, to keep the water from being too deep. But they can still access the water to drink. Um, and I usually use some electrolytes to start out with, um, with those baby chicks to put that in the water.
2: Like Gatorade?
3: Yes. <laughs> so there's actually such a thing as chicken Gatorade, which is uh, this powder electrolyte kind of supplement that you can add to their water uh, waters. And, um, and I always use warm water, lukewarm, never mm. cold, because it kind of stuns their system. And you have to think that Baby chicks are just typically when they first arrive to your house through an online hatchery or th- through the feed store. They're only they're within three days old, and that's because chicks once they hatch can actually survive for three days without food and water. They're still living off of the nutrients that they absorbed from the oak, yolk when they were inside the egg. So um, so they're good. That's why they can ship them. Oh. They, that's why they can ship the chicks. As but the you
2: have to be want. quick about it.
3: You. That's why you want to have your brooder ready yeah. and. Um, um, and then you want to control the temperature. So there's heat lamps that you can use to help control that temperature. This year, this time of year, it's kind of difficult because it's really hot in the day, but it can still get kind of cold at night. Mm-hmm. And they want to be right around, I usually aim between 95 and 100 degrees um, for, for, for baby, baby chicks. chicks okay. For baby chicks. And then gradually, as they uh, grow their regular feathers, they'll need the heat less and less.
2: Can a simple light bulb do the trick?
3: Yeah, not ordinarily. I'll, I'll switch to an, a, a regular light bulb when they're almost all the way feathered, um, especially this again this time of year when it's so hot outside. But the heat lamps, um, they come in like a regular yellowish, whitish color or the red. Um, I've own, I hardly ever use the red lamp. I always go with the whitish colored one, but the heat lamps are very strong. You have to be careful um, because they do produce so much heat, sometimes too much.
2: So how far away do you place that light?
3: Um, I usually see her. I am measuring. I know. Her hands hands. are this
2: far (laughs) apart, folks.
3: (laughs) I'm measuring. It's usually it depends on how large the bin is, and um, and because the heat as it radiates down into the bin, if it's a smaller bin, it's going to get hotter quicker, more quickly. So, um, so I actually the temp. I I start out with it being a little close, and I actually have a thermometer in there to kind of track it, and then when I know that'll tell me if I need to raise the light higher. To make it cooler or lower?
2: Give us a range.
3: Oh, five inches above the bin?
2: Okay. There we go. How's that? All right.
3: So once I bring the chicks home, though, I am watching them because Mm -hmm. the chicks are going to tell me if they're too hot or too cold. So I'm watching them and, and that will actually tell me before the thermometer will.
2: What do they say?
3: They, <laughs> they will cheep very loudly. They're not gonna be happy, they're very noisy. If and they're
2: too hot or too cold? If they're
3: too hot or too cold. Okay. Um, and they will typically try to get away from the, the, the heat. So you'll find them in the far corners of your of your brooder or your bin trying to escape the heat if they're too hot.
2: That would be your signal to move that light further away.
3: Further away. Yeah. If you see them huddled under the light as close together as they possibly can and they're trying to get as warm as they can, then that means that lamp is too high up. You need to bring it down okay. so that they, they get warmer.
2: And as they get older, they're they're more... Insulated,
3: they are. So they're once they are fully feathered, which usually happens between one and two months, depending on the breed. They uh, then they really don't need heat much at all. If it's a super cold night, then I probably would keep the light on. But the le- the light serves a dual purpose. It also helps to encourage them to eat and drink. Mm. So when you have baby chicks, you want them to eat and drink as much as possible to get a good start. So it's um. You're kind of gauging that, but by the time they are fully feathered, they may still be little, but they'll have enough feathers for insulation.
2: At what point can you take them outside?
3: Uh, it depends on if you have if chi- if you have chickens that you already want to introduce them to, or if you're starting out fresh. Um, I find that the coops today tend to be kind of big, and you know, when you still have this chicken that's only two months old, it may be fully feathered, but it's kind of a big spot. So a lot of people will buy or have a um, Kind of a teenager setup, a <laughs> teenager chicken um, location Bunk. before they move them to the big coop.
2: Bunk beds. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> there we go. Transitional.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> transitional,
2: uh, living space. So, how big is a teenage chicken coop?
3: It's about twice as twice the size. I use <laughs> the size of what?
2: <laughs> Give me some dimensions
3: here. What's that bin?
2: I'm I German.
3: Use, I need specifics.
2: <laughs> I use a,
3: um, I use a fruit bin. So, a fruit bin is. Okay, all
2: right. That, I understand that. That's about uh, 12 by, by 18. I'm thinking yeah. maybe three or four inches tall.
3: Oh, a fruit bin? Yeah. No, like the big industrial commercial fruit bin. Oh, oh those. Ones, those oh, ones.
2: oh, man. So,
3: that's probably like four feet by four Yeah. Feet, maybe two or three feet high. Yeah. So, the, for me, that's what was convenient for me to kind of um, transform into a, a transitional brooder. Oh, okay. All right. So,
2: um, How so tall should the walls be for chicks?
3: Oh, they can jump higher than you think they can. Yeah. So I will typically, um, you think your average bin is what, 24 inches tall, maybe a little taller. I use, um, I go to the harbor store and I will buy a roll of uh, window screen material, and I'll actually use that with clamps to to cover the top. That way there's no danger of of them accidentally jumping out.
2: Or a hawk swooping down or whatever. Oh,
3: yeah. No, if they're older and they're outside, yeah, yeah, they need to have a covered run, especially if you're – and even if you're in town, if you don't necessarily have hawks – Um, hanging around, you're going to have other things that will climb over. So your eventual chicken coop needs to be
2: enclosed. Like neighborhood cats. Yes. Oh,
3: the cats will munch on those chicks faster than them.
2: Yeah. All right. So being (laughs) in a completely covered enclosure makes sense. Yes. All right. Cherie Sintas-Glover is here, urban chicken consultant. Got a question, give us a call, 576-1578 in the 916 area code, 866-331-8255. Email, send it to fred at farmerfred.com. We'll get to your questions when we come back to get growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Music.
0: growing continues with farmer fred talk 650 kste here again fred hoffman
2: a warm to very hot day on tap for sacramento at 96 the expected high downtown overnight low 61 if you have a holiday weekend 94 and sunny on monday for the 4th of july on tuesday 92 not bad with a low of 59 and it looks like uh, I think we can safely say the weather forecast is fair through October with highs in the 90s and lows in the 50s and 60s. So there. Talking chickens this morning. Backyard chickens with an urban chicken consultant. Cherie Sentis-Glover runs the website Mm chickensforeggs.com. Back to the phones we go. Let's talk. I I fear for our lives here. Phil in Moraga. Hi, Phil. (laughs) Hi, super chicken. Yes,
4: Oh, now I'm gonna try to recall that theme song. It's super Chicken. backa 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 baca backa backa baca 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 backa baca backa 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 call me super chicken That's pretty good. There you go.
1: Anyway, this is a great conversation. You guys are awesome. My question is, Will females produce more eggs, um, talking infertile eggs, if there's a rooster around? Or is that um, a facade?
4: Is that not real?
3: Oh, well, yes. I think it's more of a misnomer because um, female chickens are set up a lot like um, female humans in the sense that when they, that chick that's female is hatched, they already have the pre, predetermined number of eggs that they will lay, um, regardless if there's a rooster involved. So just as... This might be getting too technical, but it's just as as women excrete eggs on a monthly basis, so do chickens. There we go. Everybody really wanted to know that. But um, but so really, there's the only reason you'd have a rooster around is maybe for protection or, you know, from predators, because they will give up themselves to protect their flock. Um, or they are there to because you want baby chicks, you want fertile eggs.
2: So, they don't need a rooster strutting about.
3: Right. right.
2: This isn't like a Chippendale show.
4: No. Chippendale. Chippendale. Okay. The shirt I'm wearing says I'm a chick magnet. Yes. Uh, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I put the shirt on. It's like, what? <laughs>
1: and and uh, don't fear me, Fred. You guys have a beautiful day. All right. This is too much fun.
2: All right, Bye-bye. Phil. Thanks for calling. All right. Yeah. Um, a, a message at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page from Judy, who says she's enjoying her conversations about chickens this Yay. morning. And we were talking about how to peel a hard-boiled egg earlier. It, it's chicken-related. Mm-hmm. And Judy says the best way that she found to shell a hard-cooked egg is to immediately after it's been cooked, immerse it in cold water. Continue to change the water as it warms up. Then she adds ice cubes to keep the water cold. The quick chilling of the egg causes it to contract and pull away from the shell, making the removal of the shell very easy. Mm. So there you go. We will learn something new every day on this program. All right. <laughs> all right, heat and chickens. Oh yes. It's hot. It's going to be 96 today. 90s for the rest of the week. What do your chickens need?
3: Yes. Your chickens um they need um they need a way to help themselves cool down just like all of us, right? So, people do, often Do they sweat? They don't. They do no. not have sweat glands. Um the way that they ex- um expel heat from their bodies um has to do with their respiratory system. It also has to do with how their bodies are designed. So, Chickens, there's actually a reason. There was a um, an evolutionary adaptation that occurred, um, and they find that this is common with chickens that are from the Mediterranean areas, um, and they were that's why they don't actually have feathers on their feet and their legs, and they have combs, which is that red part on the top of their head, and wattles, which are the little Kind of parts that kind of go below their neck. And here I am pointing at my neck. Yes. No one can see me, so <laughs> except for Fred. Um, so they have these adaptations. They also, um, so the idea, the other thing to consider is that Chickens typically have a higher body temperature than humans. So theirs tends to run around 105, 106. um, And they do really well. Chickens do the best at temperatures around 70, 75. So in our valley, when it gets really hot, we have to help them expel that heat. Um, And so you'll find that there's lots of different things that you can do. But what what I've found that has really helped has been our fans. Um, we use for the most part, we use box fans um, that circulate air at certain times of the day because I have them on timers and we use frozen water in giant two liter you know soda bottles mm-hmm. that we've reused. Um, because chickens um, because chickens need to either, well, it has to do with um, them being able to get something close to them that's cool if they can't cool off themselves. You'll find that chickens will pant uh, when they're panting. That's the way to, for them to, uh, do that air exchange they're breathing in hopefully cooler air and then expelling warmer air from their bodies um and for chickens when in our valley, when it gets to be where it's over ninety five and it gets to be a hundred and then it gets to be a hundred and five for literally days on end um you know that's when we're kind of in the you know red alert mode to keep an eye on things and make sure that chickens have they have what they need to cool off so um,
2: How about, it? Is shade important in this?
3: Shade. So that's the the three things that you have main control over are the feed, the water, the shade actually fourth, and the, f- the airflow. So shade is important. You want chickens to be able to get out of the direct sun. So setting up your coop. If you're getting thinking about where to put your chicken coop, look at where you're thinking of putting it during different times of the day to figure out where that sun is. Um, if you can't help but have... Some sun, you know. Hopefully, it'll be in the morning hours versus the the late afternoon or evening. So
2: perhaps the east side of the house.
3: Yes, yes.
2: What about full shade?
3: Uh, full shade is perfectly fine too. Okay. And, and we know even here when it gets to be those hundred and five days, it's still yeah, it's still hundred degrees in the shade. So, um, so shade is always a good thing. I for me, I find sun that um, sun is nice to have in certain parts of the run. The chicken run is the outdoor kind of protected area that a chicken can go outside if you're not if they're enclosed mm-hmm. um and so um so sh- shade and just a little bit of sun is a good
2: thing all right so it doesn't affect egg production if they're in too much shade it doesn't okay that's doesn't. good know. and how do you keep the chickens out of the box fans
3: oh so i have them hung on the outside of the coop mm. um and they and so i literally so they are strategic, strategic, strategically Care,
2: carefully placed
3: <laughs> carefully placed um and I have, again, them on timers so that they will go on at certain times of the day and go on for part of the night. A lot of chicken um, keepers will read about, oh, you've got to have a, you can't have drafts in your chicken coop. And yes, when it's in the winter and it's rainy and it's moldy and, and yeah, you want a certain amount of airflow without the drafts, but when it gets to be these crazy hot days, it's okay. Airflow's you know, air good. Airflow's good.
2: All right. So, now, what, going back to the two liter bottles mm-hmm. uh, that you've frozen, do you place those on the ground or in some sort of tub that the chickens can get into and, and lay on top of these bottles?
3: I Because something that's frozen and then it condensates right, things tend to stick to it. So I'm constantly washing
2: <laughs> feathers <off.
3: laughs> feathers and stuff off these bottles. I typically just lay them throughout the coop or the, or the chicken run. And it just kind of, depending on how many chickens you have, and you want them to all be able to get to that cool spot if they need to. Um, and so I just actually just put them on the floor of the chicken coop.
2: Um, You could put them
3: in a large bin if you wanted to, but you want them to be easily accessible. And and I figure I'm going to have to wash them anyway. So
2: now going back to an answer you gave earlier about when you're picking out chicks, making sure you don't have a rooster. I I sort of I sort of gleaned from your conversation that there is no way to tell.
3: There are. So some chicks that are uh, are sex linked is what they call them. Is that and that means that when they these chicks hatch, they are the type of. Uh, the breed of chicken that will actually tell you by their color if they're male or female. Mm. But not all chicken breeds are that way. You'll find um, like black sex, sex links are one of them. Um, that's probably the most common one. So those you can, you have an instant visual confirmation. Um other, what color
2: is a, a non-rooster?
3: Oh, I think, well, I, th- I think it's anything other than black.
2: Okay, so if it's black, look. it's a rooster?
3: No, sorry. If it's black, it's female.
2: Oh, if it's black, it's female. Yes. Okay. All right.
3: But now I'm wondering. I need to check that <laughs> out.
2: Okay. But I only see yellow chicks.
3: Those are typically, if you see the yellow ones, they could be, um, well, they could be a variety of breeds, but in feed stores, they're typically the Cornish Cross, yeah. which are meat meat chicken.
2: Oh, So that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. You might You're... have some,
3: maybe some buffley or, well.
2: So a meat chicken wouldn't lay eggs?
3: Well, they're not... They're not going to be your most prolific, prolific. Mm breed in our egg layers and that's because they're designed to do something different because there's different chickens for different types of purposes so even though all female chickens will lay eggs the meat birds like the Cornish crosses they're not meant to exist past 10 weeks of age because they're meant to be processed and they're
2: meant to be a Cornish game hen
3: yes they're meant to be in your freezer
2: oh okay that's good to know (laughs) All right, I, I see you blinking lights we will get to your calls after this break as we continue with Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE
0: We're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman.
2: Teresa Disglover is here, urban chicken consultant. Yes, we're talking backyard chickens on today's program. There will be a backyard chicken... Garden Grappler coming up in a few minutes. Um, actually, uh, pets and livestock too. A uh, clue available at farmerfred.com as well as the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. Back to the phones we go. We do answer garden questions besides chicken questions. John from Turlock has been waiting patiently since uh, Super Chicken was actually on first run for cartoons back in the 1960s. And John, uh, thank you for your patience.
5: Oh, no, no problem. Hey uh i i've been uh I got interested in doing solar solarizing my uh, uh beds my vegetable garden beds and everything like that uh, a few weeks ago uh, the question i had i have two questions one one is uh, i normally I'll, you know i'm pulling all of my uh winter and spring vegetables out and normally I just you know throw my compost in and chicken manure in and then just let it sit until i'm ready to wouldn't know, like usually in the fall to Plant in those particular boxes, but I also have uh, you know a, a, a strawberry patch that I I, I want to s- solarize, and I, normally I don't I don't fool around with them until until the, the fall or whatever to re- refurbish them, but I want to solarize it, pull the plants, and do that. So is the timing better now to go ahead and do that, and then also is it better to go ahead and prepare the bed with the compost and manure, or should I wait until after it's done solarizing?
2: I'm trying to think of which order to take these in. Let's let's go let's go with strawberries first. Strawberries I, because they really do well when planted as an annual in late August. This would be the time of the year to pull out the existing plants and get that ground as smooth as possible. You don't have to amend it or anything, but soak it thoroughly and then put the clear plastic over the area and leave it down for 4 to 6 weeks. June and July the best months for doing that. Uh, You you can do it through early August as well, but basically four to six weeks, clear plastic, and again, make sure that the edges of the clear plastic are secured around the edges so no air can get in below, because the whole idea is to raise that temperature 120, 140 degrees or so to kill off weed seeds and nematodes, and the garden good guys, the the beneficial mycorrhizae that are in the soil, or worms, they'll they'll go down further, so uh, you, you don't have to worry about that. Does that help?
5: Yeah. So so in other words, what you're saying is, you know, and irregardless of the uh, what what bed I'm solarizing, uh, do the preparation, adding compost and manure and things like that after I'm done? Yeah. Is, is that the better idea? Yeah,
2: exactly. Oh, okay. and, and don't till it in because all tilling does is bring up weed seeds. So, right, so right, when you're okay. done with the solarization, put down a, a few inches of compost and maybe a few okay. inches of mulch on top of that. Okay. Sounds good. All right, John. Thanks for hanging in there. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Where do we go from here? Let's go to Livermore and talk with Sue here on Get Growing. Hi, Sue. Hi. How are you? Fine. What's life like in Livermore today?
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's warm here. Um, but I have a question for you. The deer, I planted a lot of agapanthus, and the deer, it was going fine. And then no deer. Now, all of a sudden, the deer are eating some of them. So what I did was got that bonite, um... Uh, deer repellent, but I added Tabasco sauce to it and sprayed um, the plants. Um, So far, so good. They're not there, but what happened, and we just did it uh, yesterday, the
2: leaves of
4: the agapanthas on the ends turned brown. Is that the Tabasco?
2: Oh, it could be clogged ends. Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure what's in Tabasco sauce itself, but frankly, I wouldn't use it as an addition for a succulent leaf like an agapanthus because the agapanthus leaf is designed to hold a lot of water, which means it's doing a lot of transpiration. And if those pores get clogged, there could be problems like what you're witnessing. I think I would have gone just with the deer deterrent alone.
4: Does that deer deterrent work?
2: No, but go ahead. If it makes you feel better, use it. Not good. No, well, basically, I mean, there's no such thing as a deer deterrent. I don't care what you say; uh, they're yeah. going to get used to it. If they're hungry enough, they're going to eat anything. Yeah. But basically, go ahead, and try it. I mean, give it a shot. It, it's, it's. Uh, I, I don't know what the active ingredient in the Bonide product is. I don't even know if it would even say it on the label. But it's usually some sort of predator urine uh, to, to deter it, and it has to be reapplied too regularly.
4: And can you spray it on the flowers themselves?
2: Uh, read and follow all label directions. I am not sure what it, what that particular product says about spraying on flowers. And if you're not sure, just test it on a small portion. Don't do the whole thing and, and see what happens. Sort of like your agapanthus leaves with the Tabasco yeah. sauce. So, uh, <laughs> but right, Maybe
4: that was bad.
2: Yeah, basically, uh, yeah. It's a, I mean, if Tabasco sauce was registered as a deer repellent, uh, I think actually Tabasco sales would probably fall because people would get get fearful about what what's in it but um obviously it's not registered for use as a deer repellent but
6: yeah it's only right thank
2: you uh, okay all right good luck with the deer though
6: thank you all right thanks
2: sue all right yeah deer uh, are a problem and uh, some people will put out a trap crop in order to uh, try to dissuade the deer from eating the good stuff further in uh but again, if the deer are hungry enough, they will eat anything. You would think though with all the rain we had this winter, they would be very happy. Which brings up an interesting question, Cherie sent us Glover. Oh, yes. How did the wet winter affect chickens?
3: Uh it's it's to me that's hard. the wet weather is harder because it's you have to try and keep them dry and you're constantly worried about the feed getting moldy. Moldy will kill a chicken quicker than anything. Really? And, um, and so because chickens naturally scratch and spread things around you know, it it's, makes it very easy when it's wet outside for the feed to get damp and then grow mold. So um, we try to keep them, you know, dry. Chickens are okay if they get wet themselves, um, but uh, oh, it's, uh, it's the heat, it's the heat of the summer that's, that's really much more difficult to manage.
0: So,
2: but but at least we don't have snow to deal with. Oh
3: my gosh, yes.
2: Yeah. So now, what do you do in the wintertime though for protection for the chickens? Anything?
3: Well, not too much. I think you want to make sure, so that's where the drafts come in. You don't want Mm -hmm. it to be too drafty, especially if you have a storm coming through. Um, You want to make sure that they, if it is going to be freezing that night, you're going to, if it's raining, it's cold, and, well, if you were, I guess, in the snow, you want to feed them some more carbs. So you want to feed them some scratch, that kind of thing, um, right before, kind of towards the end of the day. Um, They tend to digest carbs a lot faster. So they're going to generate more body heat, right, in order to to digest those, uh, that scratch. So it's a, a perfect thing to do when it's... You know getting ready to be freezing so and just in the opposite of that you wouldn't want to free wouldn't want to feed scratch or a lot of um, carbs kind of products um, to your chickens in the summer. So when it's really hot, you don't want to, you want to go more with the protein and less with the carbs. Really? Yes.
2: And yeah. what, what is a typical chicken protein product?
3: Um, usually it's about 16% is the layer um, crumble protein level. Um, sometimes people will feed cat food or just um, feed other kinds of additives in there to try and up the protein a little bit. When it's really hot outside, chickens eat less, they drink more
2: all right so we'll take a short break when we come back it's garden grappler time a chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the farmer fred prize closet it's coming up right after the news here on get growing on talk 650 kste
0: get growing continues with farmer fred talk 650 kste here again fred hoffman
2: I see the nervous anticipation in the control room. Brooks is wondering, will we get five winners in today's Garden Grappler? Let's find out. That's a little tough, but I think you can do it. Cherise Entis Glover is here, urban chicken consultant, and she will be the official judge. And it has to do with your backyard friends along with the 4th of July. What I want you to do is use a letter from the word chickens, C-H-I-C-K-E-N-S, chickens, Take a letter from the word chickens and using that letter, cleverly name a way to keep your pets, your livestock, your poultry safe and comfortable during the 4th of July weekend, which would be now. Basically, loud noises, explosions, flashing lights, things like that, that may upset your dogs, your cats, your pigs, your horses, your chickens. How do you keep them safe and comfortable? Be clever. Be original. Take a letter from the word chickens and give them away to keep your pets, your livestock, your poultry safe and comfortable during the 4th of July weekend. The number is to call 576-1578 in the 916 area code, outside the area 866-331-8255. Need help? Go to FarmerFred.com, click on the link that says a clue for the garden grappler, or go to the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page, and there is a clue available beneath the description of today's guest Cherie sent us Glover and her wonderful website, chickens eggscom So go for it. Name, using a letter from the word chickens, name a way to keep your pets, livestock, poultry safe and comfortable during a loud, noisy, flashing light type 4th of July weekend. Mm-hmm. All right. Cherie, let's talk about chickensforeggs.com. You got a lot of great stuff on there. You are an urban chicken consultant, but I imagine you get questions from people who live far away, so you can't really go out there and check out their chickens to see what the problem is. But uh, it's the 21st century. It's amazing Mm -hmm. what you can do. And uh, what, what do you have in the pipeline? to expand the consultancy?
3: Mm. Well, I you know, it's funny, because I've always wanted to write a book and I might eventually do that, because that's something else I'm asked at my classes and stuff, but for people who are far away or maybe they can't make it to one of the classes, um, doing video consultations or virtual consulta- consultations are um, becoming a, maybe a new possibility for me. So um, I was inspired by a group that I follow on Patreon Um, Totally different. They do uh, RV, you know, sailboat traveling. Anyhow, they used Patreon, and I was like, "Oh, this is such a cool venue!" So I'm going to um, I'm going to be on Patreon um, very shortly with um, a video consultation series. And so basically, it means that people who um, become a Patreon or uh, become a patron of my of my channel kind of Mm -hmm. thing, they'll be able to um, have an influence and have questions answered uh, with videos, and it's a way for them to kind of subscribe to me. Um, And I'll probably do some voice work, but then also just do uh, videos just answering people's questions and then maybe talking about, you know, some popular topics when it comes
2: sure. to Sure. It's like a living book.
3: It is. Yeah. Okay. It's very cool. And um, I'm super excited about it. And I'm learning all sorts of things like how to edit video and <laughs> oh, <laughs> like God. all that good stuff. So.
2: Yeah. It's, an, it's a, just have a computer with a lot of RAM. Yeah. That's, my. Yeah. get something with 16 gigs yeah. of RAM. <laughs>
3: something crazy. My
2: heavens. Yeah. Oh. That's a, if you want it to go quickly.
3: Yes. But yes. Yeah
2: and you got to think you got to think like a smartphone. Oh. You got yes. you got to think ver- vertical. Yes. And not horizontal. But oh, it, anyway. Oh. Uh, well, good luck with that. And, Thank and will you. people be able to send you videos of their chickens?
3: You know, I think it would be great if they could, if they can incorporate that. I don't know if they'll be able to do that directly on the Patreon page. I think they can respond. And then depending on what level they subscribe, they will be able to pose questions and things that they would like me to answer. And I'd like to highlight different um, people's kind of chicken sure. chickens in their backyards.
2: So, All right. And yeah. what are some of the more common questions you get?
3: Uh, the questions I'm typically asked are how, um, you know, what do I do if my chicken... Um, has lice or mites, which are external parasites that can be pretty common. Um, I'm also asked about... just, you know, how to set up that brood or what to do with the chickens to begin with. Because people will often, again, go to the feed store and see the baby chicks and bring them home and then aren't sure what to do. They, When I'm doing consultations, they want me to kind of review or evaluate their their coop and where it's set up and what they might need to be successful with their chickens. And just kind of an overview. Um, the other thing I'm I'm often asked, or actually that I was asked at my last, uh, last class, was how to trim a chicken's toenails. So you know, even something like that can be um, can be a topic. So,
2: are there chicken toenail clippers available?
3: There, I use dog clippers. Okay, all right,
2: <laughs> fair enough. And do they need trimming?
3: They can. Um, laying flocks that typically are out running around, they wear them down naturally. But mm-hmm. um, but sometimes they do get a little bit long. And it makes them a little bit um, makes it a little hard to walk or to be on the roost at night. So roost is kind of where the chickens sleep. Um, can, it, you know, it's higher up off of the ground. Um, and so being able to trim them, you trim them very much like a dog's nails. You have to watch out for the quick of the nail or where the bloodline is. Yeah. And you don't want to trim them too much because so, they will bleed just like a dog would. So.
2: Okay. Now I have a question about the surface of a coop. We talked about chicks earlier and how paper towels mm-hmm. is great for them. It doesn't lead to foot problems and it's easy to clean up. Mm-hmm. Now what about uh, a chicken run or a coop itself? what should the flooring be?
3: Oh, you know, there. I don't think there's any specific one thing that's going to, that you have to use. And I see people do all sorts of things. Some people use sand, um, and in, some people use shavings. Some people use just a dirt floor. Some just have a concrete floor, floor on parts of it. It's. It really comes down to, is it absorbent? Is it um, able to may I help you manage the excrement of chickens? And does it help prevent Predators from coming into the coop. So, um, really, I've seen everything and anything. For me personally, I like the uh, the pine shavings because to me they're they're affordable. They're they you know they can do uh, compost pretty easy probably, um, and it's uh, it's easily you know changed out. So for for me that's what I use. Um, but I do have a concrete floor in the laying hens coop. Um, to kind of help from predators from digging underneath, so um, so that that helps.
2: Okay, and how often should it be changed? If you're using pine shavings, uh, how often? Did, I guess it depends on the number of chickens.
3: The number of chickens and how large your coop is, and just I I typically look. You start out with the fresh shavings. When it starts to look like it's half shavings, half chicken poop, the chelo, the color kind of changes, and then that's when I usually sh- do some shoveling.
2: All right. So, basically, uh or you, you don't wait for an odor.
3: Well, by then, to me there's always an odor associated with chickens. Um and whether or not someone is sensitive to that odor, for me the chicken smell doesn't bother me too much, but I've been to <laughs> <laughs> You're,
2: you're kind of used to it. I'm
3: kind of used to it now. Yeah. So, but it's funny cuz I'll go to other places where there's horses or um pigs and Oh, that smell just bothers me very much. So <laughs> so it's each to each his own. Um, but really, that's what you're looking for. And in the summertime, you know, you might have some flies. So you need to make sure that you do change it a little more mm, often.
2: Flies, yeah. Flies, yeah. you know, can
3: get attracted to that kind of stuff. Um, in the winter, I'm probably changing because in the summertime, the shavings will dry out a little more quickly. In the winter, I'm changing them more often because uh, because of the, the wet, the wetness and the moisture. Uh, Because I want the chickens to have a dry litter, not a moist litter.
2: All right. We're starting to line up people who have garden grappler answers, people who can name a way to keep their pets' livestock poultry safe and comfortable during the 4th of July weekend. Just try to incorporate a letter from the word chickens into your answer. It's doable. If I did it, anybody can do it. All right. So let's uh, let's check in with Cynthia down in Hemet. And for those who don't know, Hemet is kind of south of uh, Banning. Does that help? (laughs) North of San Diego, uh, east of uh, Sun City or Paris. Uh, That's P-E-R-R-I-S. And uh, it's it it, it does get warm in in Hemet, as you might imagine. Uh, Thanks for calling in, Cynthia. Thank you. Sure. So, Cynthia, uh, go ahead and give us a way to uh, protect our pets or livestock on the 4th of July. Housing, housing is like what you would want to do, especially with your dogs and cats, and that does use a letter from the word chicken. And we'll keep using if somebody else has an H answer. That's fine; you can use that again. I'm not going to be as tough as nails as I usually am on this, but uh, housing, yeah, yeah, the important to uh, for uh, dogs and cats, like I say, especially is to keep them indoors when the fireworks start. Cynthia, good answer, and I'm going to be sending you from. Uh, The folks at the UC Davis Poultry Department, their information on how to select chickens for home use. Thank you. All right, Cynthia, thanks for calling in from Hammett. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. All right, so the numbers to call in with your answers, 576-1578 in the 916 area code. Outside the area, 866-331-8255. 576-1578 or 866-331-8255. Name a way to keep your pets, your livestock, your poultry safe and comfortable during the 4th of July weekend using a letter from the word chickens. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we will delve into more of your answers as we continue with Get Growing here on Talk 650 KSTE and KSTE.com.
0: You are listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. We are in the
2: midst of the garden grappler, lining up winners who can take a letter from the word chickens and name a way to keep your pets, your dogs and cats, your livestock or your poultry safe and comfortable during what can be a very loud explosive 4th of July weekend, especially the evenings. And as we know, during a four-day weekend like this, some of you have four-day weekends, There are no holidays in radio. But for those of you uh, who celebrate 4th of July for Saturday, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, there may be fireworks every night. So it's not just the night of 4th of July. It's tonight. It's tomorrow night as well, where fireworks may be going off and think about your pets and where they're going. So if you're leaving for the evening, going somewhere, make sure your pets are safe. But uh, you're the one that has to come up with a way to keep them safe by using a letter from the word chickens. Now. Uh, Cynthia down in Hemet gave us housing. Yeah, uh, keeping uh, especially dogs and cats inside can be very helpful. Cherise Sintas-Glover is here from chickensforeggs.com, urban chicken consultant to uh, help us out with the Garden Grappler. And uh, let's talk with Lynn up in Alta. Hi, Lynn. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So go ahead. Give us a uh, chickens-type uh, way to keep your pets safe.
4: Um, The obvious Never take them to the fireworks
2: show. All right. Now, how do we how do we assign a letter to that? Oh, with the word "n," like yeah. never. Okay. Never. All right. Never. never. All right. So Well, you're the judge, Cherie. Oh. Just say yes. I, I think All that's right. yes. <laughs> okay. Yes.
0: All right.
4: <laughs> okay. We're, we're, just we're, obnoxious. Brooks <laughs> encouraged me. To sing the 1970s version of the Super Chicken song.
2: Oh, oh really? I didn't know there was a 70s version. <laughs> so
4: do, well, it baka
2: <STALK> Super Chicken. <laughs> Super Chicken. <Yeah>. Yay! Excellent. <laughs> Good job, Lynn. <laughs> So, Brooks told you to do that, did he? He did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That and never take your pets to a fireworks show. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> that, that uses the end, but we can use it, the letter again if we need to. Lynn, thank you for your uh, song and dance. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll be sending you uh, the information from the UC Poultry Department on selecting chickens for home use
4: that's wonderful thank you so much i do have a question though a chicken
2: really oh song. i i thought maybe the the, when, the what what is written here on the screen it says answer and a question i thought the question was can i sing the super chicken th- song but go ahead you have a, you have a garden question so be my guest
4: my brother my brother's listening and he's cringing but anyway um <laughs> i have so i do have um chickens and i do have to promote i love they're in a dog run it's a cyclone fence dog run and up here in Alta, we do get snow, and it actually has like a car porch, metal roof. It's wonderful, and it gets good air circulation. Anyway, and we have our, um, um, so the chickens are inside there, but I keep finding half-eaten eggs. Oh.
2: So something's sneaking in there.
3: Oh, it could No, be. I think it's the chickens themselves.
4: <laughs> oh,
2: really? It's the chickens? Yes. Wow, cannibalistic chickens.
3: Do you know which chicken it might be? I have no idea. So I,
4: this is my third batch, and I now I have um, adolescents in there. Ah,
3: so so I, I'm going to have to put in a chicken camera. Yes. So the it could be so. Sometimes we will get blue jays and blue. And actually, I do have one um, a different coop that we use for some ducks that's made out of the same kind of. Uh, coop that you described using a a dog run with the chain link And, Uh and the blue jays will definitely our blue jays around our house have figured out what eggs are and they will sometimes get through that wire and get to our duck eggs and they will punch holes in them and um and try to eat them and so it could be a blue jay it could be sometimes squirrels are notorious for that too squirrels ground squirrels will take off with eggs um but if, well, I only assumed it was one of the chickens. Yeah, it I would I would do the camera thing actually and see if you could figure it out. Um the blue jays can be really sneaky, but here's the thing, if it is one of those one of those chickens, you need to figure out who it is really quickly because if one chicken figures out how good and yummy eggs are, they will actually teach the other chickens how to do the same thing. And um, which is not good because it's almost impossible to train a chicken not to eat their own eggs once they've figured it out, how to do it. So Dang, it's um, been going on for a little while. So. Oh, do they go after, is it only certain colored eggs that maybe you're eating?
4: The, well, the current ones are a little bit older, mm-hmm. so they're not laying
3: very often. Oh, okay. So I'll have to pay attention to that. Pay attention and collect the eggs as fast as you can. Also start putting in like some ceramic or fake eggs in there. And then if it is the chickens, Ooh, they'll... That's
4: a good
2: idea. Yeah,
3: Try to, because they'll try to peck at that egg and think, oh, okay, nothing's happening, and move on. But, so you look um, for peck marks? Well, they'll usually be, it'll be a hole in the egg or partially eaten. Sometimes they'll crush it all the way. I and, mean,
2: for, if you used a ceramic oh, egg ceramic. or a plastic egg.
3: Yes, just, they won't punch a hole in it. Is that what Right.
2: You, well, will there be marks on it? Can you tell the marks eh. of something that wasn't a chicken maybe versus it, something else?
3: Maybe. It, well, it would be hard to tell if it's the blue jay unless you actually spotted the blue jay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to need a chicken cam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh, yeah, figure out what it is, and then you can go from there. Okay? Well, thank you very much, and sorry for the obnoxious. Oh, that's
4: fine. No, no, I I love singing on
2: a Sunday morning. That's fine. Thanks. (laughs) Extra points for that. Okay, (laughs) thanks, Lynn. (laughs)
3: Have a good Sunday. Bye-bye. All right,
2: bye-bye. Don't tell these people extra points. Oh, no, sorry. They'll get ideas. All right. They'll want their psychic bonus points. Right. I mean, we're not doing psychic bonus points this week. All right. What else is on uh, chickensforeggs.com what, at the website?
3: Oh, we have, um, there's a class listing. Um, so I'm getting ready to put one up for the classes that I'm doing for the summer series um, in Stockton. And then um, you can also go to, there's some links to and lists of poultry shows in the area. I try to update that maybe once or twice a year because um, they pretty much have a schedule for the whole year there's also um a link I think to different products um you know that might be useful in your coop um I have of course you know recommendations or referrals um and then we also talk about um oh gosh on my posts I try to uh, do different news stories um, about chickens and maybe new information so in fact I just uh, when preparing for the heat show I um I I actually discovered that there's a um, at UC Davis there's someone that's actually working on developing um, a new breed or breeds of chickens that do better in hot climates, Hmm. like for use in Africa. So we might I might kind of link that there too. Well, that's
2: cool. Yeah. So to speak. Um, Good (laughs) idea. Back to the phones we go, finding ways to keep our pets, our livestock, our chickens uh, safe on. Fourth of July weekend, using a letter from the word chickens, uh, Cynthia said housing for the H. Lynn said never take them to a fireworks show, which is actually good advice, N being the operative letter there. And uh, Karen in Nevada City, you want to add to that list? Go to line one, I'm being told in my ear. So I'll put this back on hold and go to, are are we having difficulties with the phone today? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm on line one. Is this Karen?
6: This is Karen.
2: Hi, Karen. Okay. Now we got it.
6: Um, I uh, found out something. I discovered something myself I'm always watching. I uh, took a cat because I had to have an outdoor kitty, and this cat had gone to two different homes, and when it was inside longer than five minutes, it would tear the house up, wreck wreck the rugs. Uh, pull uh, curtains off the walls, it had to be an outdoor kitty, and somebody called me and said that they knew my outdoor kitty had died, so I took this one. And I've noticed that in the summertime when it gets hot, especially right now, he wasn't eating his full can of cat food. And so I would take the cat food in and stick it in the refrigerator, but I noticed he ate in the evening time the cold food. He loves the cold food, and so I keep his cat food in the refrigerator now, and now he does eat his whole can. He loves the cool food he doesn't like it hot in the hot weather, so I could use either i for ice <laughs> because I also put ice you know ice cubes in the water dishes. And I've noticed that it seems like everything loves the ice.
2: Okay. Well, that no, that's a that's a good answer for the upcoming Fourth of July. If uh, your animals are skittish yeah. and you want to keep them inside, and you found a way to keep them inside is by tempting them with cold food, <laughs> uh, like sea right. cold. Okay, that works, Karen. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate that. So I'll be <laughs> I'll be sending you selecting chickens for home use. Good job. Yes. All right. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Whatever you can to tempt them inside because <laughs> I own dogs, I own cats. All right. I have discovered when you say to a dog, Come on, the dog comes. Mm-hmm. Say that to a cat. The cat just stares <laughs> at you like you want me to do what?
3: I actually did have a cat though that we could call it from way across the pasture and it would come running.
2: Oh really? Yes. Oh. She was a
3: very smart cat, but um but that's unusual. So
2: Yeah. Yeah. That is unusual. <laughs> Unless uh, it got used to the fact that if, every time you called her, it meant there was food at the other mm-hmm. end. Yeah, that might have played a part in it. Yeah. Terry and Fair Oaks, go ahead. Give us a way to keep our pets and livestock safe on 4th of July using a letter from the word chickens.
4: You know what? I didn't hear the last one because I was talking to
2: well to Brooks. Uh, right? Karen, Karen said uh, cold food. But oh. It was enticing a kitten inside. Oh, uh, okay. And so that would work. So, but, right. but use any letter you want. There are no limitations right. on letter use on this one.
4: I would entertain my, my chickens to keep them indoor. Well, actually, more or less a dog, really, but, you know. Yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. Entertain
4: we, them. Keep them. Play the radio. Play the TV. There you, you go. The loud yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, play. Yeah, keep a radio or TV on. Uh, sing them the super chicken theme or whatever. <laughs> I can
4: sing you the super chicken theme with the words. Go ahead. <laughs> When you, fi- when you find yourself in danger, when you're threatened by a stranger, when it looks like you will take a lick and there is something, someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you, just call for Super Chicken. Wow,
0: high five. Congratulations.
2: All right, good job.
4: My sister can do the whole thing. Wow, that's awesome. Okay.
2: Now, I personally was always fond of his sidekick, Fred.
4: You
2: know, Super Chicken was great, yeah. All right, All right, Terry, good answer. I'll sending you from the uc davis poultry department selecting chickens for home use okay great thank you all uh, right Bye-bye. bye bye you, you know we're still looking for in number five we have four winners we need a fifth one take a letter from the word chickens doesn't matter which letter and name a way to keep your pets and livestock or poultry safe for the Fourth of July weekend, Cherie, can you stick around for a few more minutes?
0: Sure. sure All right.
2: Sure. sure. Uh, Cynthia and Hemet said housing, like bring them in the house. Mm-hmm. Lynn and Alta said never for the end. Never take your pets to a fireworks show. Yeah, that's good <laughs> advice. It is. Karen in Nevada City tempts the outdoor cat indoors with cold food on Fourth of July. That would work. And Terry in Fair Oaks uh, says entertain by keeping the radio on to distract them from the noise outside. And besides that, she entertained us with the actual words to the super chicken thing. So (laughs) it turned out to be a wonderful show. We're learning a lot today and we'll take a short (laughs) break. When we come back, Caller 5, we're looking for you. Name a way to keep your pets, your livestock, your chickens safe during the 4th of July weekend. 576-1578. 866-331-8255. Just connect it with a letter from the word chickens. That's all you have to do. It's Get Growing on Talk 650
0: KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Welcome back.
2: Think we'll get caller five? Let's find out. It's the garden grappler name a way to keep your pets, your livestock, your poultry safe and comfortable during the Fourth of July weekend using a letter from the word chickens. Housing said Cynthia. Never said Lynn, referring never take your pets to a fireworks show. Karen said cold food using the C. That's fine. This cat particular cat would go inside only for cold food. Uh, Terry and Fair Oaks said entertain them using the E. Keep the radio on or the TV on to distract them from uh, the noise the fireworks going on outside. So, Tony in Sacramento, I tell you what, if you can come up with a different answer using a letter from the word chicken, I have for you, well, this is a stretch, but it does really have some good chicken recipes in it. It's a great cookbook from the Diabetes and uh, uh, Heart Associations on Diabetes and Heart Healthy Eating, and it's a cookbook, like I say, with a lot of chicken recipes. So, Tony, be my guest. Go ahead. Give us a good answer. Uh, Get calming medications from the doctor. Calming medications using the C. Oh. That works. It does, especially
3: for, like, dogs. That's what I've heard is that the calming medications are some herbal kind of supplements that you can do.
2: And who knows what. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Good answer, Tony. So I'll be sending you that uh, good cookbook from uh, the American Diabetes Association and the American Heart Association on uh, the Diabetes and Heart Healthy Cookbook. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. All right, Tony, thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Well, good job. All right, well, let's uh, wrap things up here and, uh, with a pretty bow with you okay. and uh, talk about uh, your website, chicken, chickensforeggs.com. Mm-hmm. And if there's information online there, if people want to consult with you, but you've got new exciting ventures coming online uh, to help that yes. venture out.
3: Yes, I'm doing, um, basically it's an interactive video series on Patreon. Um, and that 's going to be debuting very shortly and it 's that it's that would
2: be patreon dot com
3: patreon dot com and they could put in search for chickens for eggs. And it would pop up, and and what it does is it allows me. People can subscribe to me, and I'm going to basically be doing video series, answering different questions. So it's a chance for for people, for chicken keepers, to interact with me and maybe get their questions answered as well. And um, for those, especially who aren't, you know, in in a local area, that can come and actually have me do a consultation with them in person. So
2: now I noticed a lot of chicken scratchings in front of you as far as notes yes. that you had taken. Now, is there anything that on your notes oh, yeah. there you wanted to talk about today? You didn't. <laughs> (laughs) get a chance to talk about
3: (laughs) well just for people to keep an eye on their chickens you know during especially as we know the heats you know as they watch the weather watch your chickens as as you see that the temperatures are rising above 95 degrees um, that's when you want to start you don't want to wait until the day is 110 you want to start a few days before that to get them ready for the heat and that means um, you know get those fans set up get the ice water bottles in the freezer um, you may even want to, um, because of uh, the metabolism of chickens and it has to do with enzymes, uh, one of the things that uh, they suggest is to also give um, uh, baking soda um, to actually add that to the water. And when you do that, you don't want to have the vinegar in the water. A lot of chicken keepers do add vinegar to the water as well. Um,
2: For what purpose?
3: It's, it has to do with the pH of their, um, and it has, it has to do with um, preventing parasites, internal mm. parasites. Mm. Um, but it does the opposite, because sometimes they'll give it to the, uh, their, their chickens to help them drink the water more, which is interesting. But And even though you would think, okay, well, wouldn't you want chickens to drink more water in the, when it's really hot? Um, vinegar does the opposite um, as far as the pH of their of their intestines. Ooh. So you want to add, it's basically the, the um, what's in baking soda? It's the carbon, carbonite? Yeah,
2: carbonate. Carbonate.
3: Calcium carbonate. Calcium carbonate. Calcium carbonate. And so um, they typically recommend, um, oh, let's see, one-fourth of a cup per, of baking soda per gallon um, or electrolytes. So, you know, do that. Make sure they have shade. Make sure they have fresh water because they will drink more when it's hot. Um, and then watch for the signs that your chicken might be heat stressed. So that could be, you'll notice that chickens will move less when it's hot because they're preserving their energy and, and trying to stay cool because chickens move a lot and they get hot. Um, they spread their wings. Um, You want to make sure, you know, that you have um, that shade again for them to stand in or to be in. Some people, even if they let their chickens out, will have um, some cool water kind of pooling on the water or on the ground. So the chickens will come and stand in that. Maybe you let them out to run around on your lawn and you're watering your lawn. And that's the perfect time to let your chickens out um, and get their feet wet. Um, And then just watch, you know, if they do start panting. Panting is okay in the beginning because that's, again, the respiratory exchange. It's how they're cooling off as well. Because um, chickens can't, um, they don't have sweat glands. They're not able to to sweat like that. So, um, and then you will notice more loose stools. So just keep, you know, just remember That's those normal. kinds of things. That's normal for when it gets hotter. They're taking in more water. It's it's going out of them.
2: Okay. More quickly. All right. So. Good advice from Cherie Sentis Glover. Urban Chicken Consultant, Poultry Health Inspector, uh, Inspector runs uh, the website chickensforeggs.com. Check it out if you want to contact her. And your next uh, speaking engagement is when?
3: Oh, yes. It is going to be um, July 22nd, and we're going to be talking a lot more about the keeping the chickens cool in the summertime and what to how, what do you do with your flock in the summer. Um, and, and That would be
2: a Saturday, according to the will, math in my head.
3: It will. It will be a Saturday, and it will be in Stockton, um, and we'll have a flyer up on my website. Pretty soon at chickensforeggs.com.
2: So somewhere in Stockton,
3: yeah, Farmers Feed,
2: Farmers Feed, yes, on Airport Road. Oh, I was going to say Wilson Way. <laughs> All right, Airport on Airport Road. The airport. Okay, okay and that'll be on uh, Saturday, July twenty-second. Yes. More info available at chickensforeggs.com. Hey, it was a fun show. Thank Thank you, you. Fred. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Great. We had fun. I I never knew so many people knew the theme to super chicken either. (laughs) Amazing discoveries here on the garden show. But we're coming. We're not going. I'm not going away. I'm coming back and we're going to be talking about a lawn substitute that's gaining in popularity using different meadows species as a lawn substitute with a noted meadows expert, John Greeley. And we're going to be talking about that when we come back to get growing on Talk 650 KSTE
0: you're listening to get growing with farmer fred talk 650 kste here again fred hoffman
2: If you're interested in meadows or grasses, we have a guest for you now. It's John Greeley. He's created grass ecologies and gardens of all sizes since way back when, in 1984. He's been on TV. He was named Horticulturist of the Year by the Southern California Association of Horticulturists. He's also the author of many great books, including the Encyclopedia of Ornamental Grasses. And his latest book is called The American Meadow Garden. And we just happened to run into John Greeley here at the NorCal Show in San Mateo, which is a horticultural trade show and what do you have in the booth here john this is uh interesting and this is the
1: future of the california front yard right here well i I truly believe so um we've got a lot of great new plants here let me show you a few of them this is maybe our most exciting new plant that we think is going to transform uh california gardens this is lamus triticoides lagunita it's a also known as Lagunita wild rye. Right, it's a, it's a creeping wild rye is the, the common name. This particular clone is short and green, so it's incredibly drought tolerant, it's mobile. These are all images here, that you see it being used here with wildflowers, overseeded with wildflowers, with uh, perennials. It's the base grass. We think it's the holy grail. Right. That means it can take traffic. It can take traffic, can be mowed like a lawn, can be left unmowed. You add bulbs, perennials, flowers to it, and uh, it's creeping, so it's planted. It doesn't grow from seed, it doesn't create viable seed, which is good because it pretty much stays where you put it. But it basically creeps and fills in, it's colony forming, but it's our native grass. And, in nature, it's one of the last native grasses to go summer dormant if you don't give it summer water. Now, it, you got to give it summer water the first season to get it established, but once it's established, it actually can, can grow without summer water. Now, it will go summer dormant, so it'll turn brown and crispy, but as soon as the fall rains come, it'll green back up again. The flip side of that is very little summer water keeps it evergreen, ah. so we're really excited about it. So Does it need good drainage? No, it'll grow in heavy clay, it'll grow in dune sand, it'll grow in first exposure seacoast with salt spray. Uh, I've planted it up to about 4,000 feet elevation, which is what it does in nature. In nature, it goes from Baja to Shasta, from the coast. To about three, four thousand feet elevation, and so it has a huge range. But this particular clone is, we I think it's like you know the Goldilocks and the three bears. It's the just right, right height, right color. Uh, it's the base layer that you for those need. watching us on the radio, John had his uh, hands about eight inches apart, so it gets about what eight, eight or yeah, so inches somewhere in here. Depending on how much water and fertilizer, there it is as orchard understory. Uh, we're very excited. We've got uh, several acres of it planted at the world headquarters of uh, of uh, Apple Inc. Uh, at their Infinite Loop campus, and there's much more planned for the for the uh, spaceship planting. Uh, the ring is the, the, that's, uh, you know, the new headquarters that's going in. So it's the base layer. So in 1,000 square feet of this, you maybe have 15 or 16 flowering accent grasses. And that's what makes it a meadow. So you want a meadow, you want people to look at it and go, wow, look at that amazing meadow. You don't want people to look at it and go, when are they going to mow that lawn? Right? It has to say I'm a meadow. So again, this is the Lamus triticoides lagunita
2: Lamus right. is spelled l e y m u s lamus triticoides lagunita.
1: When you plant it uh, via plugs, I would imagine, mm-hmm. how far apart do you space them? Depends on how much money you got. Um, <laughs> uh, no, seriously. I mean, if you plant the plugs four inches on center, it almost looks like sod the day you walk away. But I've planted it 18 inches on center, and it's crept and filled in. And so a lot of times, if you've got to make it look good right away, you can plant the plugs 18, 24 inches on center and then overseed with uh, wildflowers. Eventually, the Lagunita will come to dominate. Right. What is the mix that really looks best, that is really a standout well, with the lamus. It depends on where you are and what your soil type is, but I like to put mullenberges with them as flowering accents, even some of the Cezlarias. Let me show you a couple more uh, really interesting things. This would be one for all of your foothill clientele. So you may be familiar with our native blue grass. Sure, cultures. yeah. Well... When I say our native, this is the very... If you order blue gramma grass seed from anybody in the United States, you're not going to get California blue gramma grass. This was collected in California on the edge of the Mojave Desert. And uh, again, we think it's going to be a meadow. It's going to be a lawn. It's 12 inches to the top of the flower. Uh, It is warm season, so so it does go dormant. But you can see it's already greening up, you know, already. So um, we're very excited about these meadow grasses. Here's a picture of it at our grower associates down in, in uh, Southern California. Now,
2: that's a bit taller. That looks to be, what, two no, feet or so? No no, 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 no. That's no. this to the top of the flower. That's 12 inches. Okay, so guarantee. about 12 inches. So that would be a
1: good mix then with the Lagunitas wild rye. Well, no, it would disappear in, in Lagunita. You'd need something taller, but instead of Lagunita, ah, okay, or let's say you've got a succulent garden. This would be an excellent companion planting for succulents.
2: They have actually done testing in Sacramento County using blue gramma grass as
1: a turf substitute, and it did score very highly. Well, right now you can't buy seed of this particular clone, but you can plant it from plugs. These are our our plugs. Come in 50 tray. So if you do want us to to get plants to you you do have to call our office you can't buy plants online but we can ship plants anywhere in the in the country where are some good public gardens where people can see your work i'd invite you y'all to come to cornerstone uh, gardens in sonoma which is now the uh headquarters of sunset magazine that they closed their headquarters in menlo park and the test garden has moved to cornerstone gardens in sonoma but all kinds of fun stuff here's the, here's another thing now too this is our native uh, Lipia, our native phylo flora. So this isn't new and improved from Japan. <laughs> this was actually... This isn't Carapia, eh? No. <laughs> okay. um, this is our native one, and this was collected near Tesla Canyon, uh, which is out by Livermore. Mm-hmm. A lot Most people have never heard of, of uh, Tesla Canyon. It was fascinating. Um, you can uh, check it out. Tesla was one of the very first communes. In California, hmm. back in the 40s and 50s, I believe it's no longer in existence. But this was uh, collected from out out Livermore Way.
2: Now, Lipia has sort of a
1: renegade reputation for being rather unruly. Well, yeah, and rightfully so. Um, and I would tell you, though, interestingly, this, this just came out of a greenhouse. So the foliage is actually greener than it would normally be. And it's a little more robust. This is much tighter, much more compact mm-hmm. than than Carapia or anything of that nature. You know, and, and people uh, I know there was a big article about it in, in Sunset Magazine, speaking of Sunset, about uh, Carapia. But um, there is the downside to it, though, as a mowed lawn, is that it's extremely pollinator-friendly, shall we say. The bees love it. Bees love it. So as a lawn... You don't want to step on it barefoot. Let's just put it that way. Well, you have a lot
2: of people here at your booth here at the NorCal show that want to talk to you. I have one more plug for John Greeley. Greeley
1: and Associates is his business, also his website. And the book website, there's lots of great case studies where we've shown people how you go from the traditional American lawn to the next you know what we need to be doing we need to well we need to we can't just be decorating the planet anymore we have to be fixing it we have to be cleaning it up so you know we need we need beauty that's sustainable beauty that supports our native birds bees and insects we got to be the guys wearing the white hats. Let's just put it that way, right? Exactly. The American Meadow Garden is the name of John Greeley's latest book. His business, Greenlee and Associates. Greenleeandassociates.com is the website. You'll really enjoy it. Check out the website. There's lots of great images. And um, it's um, you can see our projects, a lot of them from start to finish. You can see the lawn, the lawn being killed, the lawn removed, the plugs going in, the uh, flowers being overseeded, and then the uh the results so this is a garden we did in kensington and that's lagunita as the base grass and so the fun thing i mean for me making meadows it's just an excuse for planting bulbs <laughs> <laughs> all right john Greeley, a pleasure seeing
2: you again you and thanks for the chat you got it coming up on the KSTE farm hour which will be in uh, right after the news here on talk 650 KSTE. Uh, The Delta Tunnels Project has received a couple of green lights uh, from a couple of federal agencies, but, no, there's a long way to go. Plenty of hurdles left for that project to continue, and we'll talk about that. Uh, Well, so there's been a ruling on glyphosate by California, the Prop 65 ruling that's going to change the label on uh, products that contain glyphosate uh, that will basically list list it as a possible carcinogen. Also, uh, an extended segment coming up on the Farm Hour on rodents versus drip tape. On the farm, yes, rodents can do a lot of damage to your irrigation system, and there is a possible solution to limit meadow mouse and vole activity to your irrigation system. So we'll do that coming up in the next hour of the KSTE Farm Hour here. Thank you for listening. I appreciate your support. Hey, I'll be posting a link to the podcast of this program later on on, at farmerfred.com, Twitter, and on Facebook. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Bye-bye.